You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. What does it take to be an entrepreneur and how is it changing in our ever-evolving business landscape? This is Scott Galloway, host of the Prop G Podcast and an entrepreneur myself. Right now, we've got a special three-part series running all about the future of entrepreneurship. We're answering your questions on work-life balance, how to raise capital for your business, and more. Because when you're an entrepreneur, it's always important to look ahead at what's to come. So tune in to the Future of Entrepreneurship, a Prop G Pod special sponsored by Mercury. You can find it on the Prop G Pod feed or wherever you get your podcasts. You're listening to the Vox Media Podcast Network. Welcome back to the Fighter versus the Writer. I'm your host, as always, Damon Martin, with a big, big event coming up, UFC 274, lightweight title on the line. I had to bring in a big guest. Couldn't just get anybody. Can't just get anybody to talk about a lightweight title fight. I got to talk about a guy who may be fighting for that lightweight title later this year, hopefully. Uh, I am always happy to speak to him. Also going to catch up on seeing how he's doing with his recovery as he looks to come back later this year. Welcome back, Benil Dariush. Benil, how are you? I'm doing good, brother. Good to get to see you. Good to be speaking with you. Uh, yeah, life is good. Absolutely. We, we, we speak pretty frequently when we go like more than like three months without talking. I feel like something's wrong. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I was, I was just saying, I, I feel like it's been a while, um, but yeah, well, we're, we're, we're back on it. So we're fixing that problem. Yeah, well, let me start with, of course, you know, you're 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 healing up. Of course, I know you had an unfortunate injury. I think it was called a broken fibula, if I'm not mistaken. Um, kind of give me an update. How is that going? How is recovery? And uh, you know, coming back from that injury, the fibula is good. Um, you know, they told me anywhere between four to eight weeks it'll recover, and at like four weeks, I was walking. I felt perfectly fine. What, 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 when they say four to eight weeks, it's recovery. They mean for your average lifestyle. So like at four weeks I was walking, uh, but it's not like I could run at, at six weeks. I was kind of training in c- certain situations, but I can't really do any training. Uh, I, I just, at 10 weeks, I started doing regular training. So, um, I, I'm finally back into regular training, which is great. Now I need to start getting back in shape and getting my timing back and uh, doing all, all the little things that I need to do to be back where I was. Yeah. I know that, you know, like a broken bone, something like that is so devastating. And, and again, just kind of unpredictable when it happens, but I know you had said in a different interview right after it happened that you were able to avoid surgery, which I guess is the biggest deal, right? Because that would have kept you sidelined way longer. Yeah. Praise God, man. Cause they were telling me if I do surgery, it was going to be like four or five months. And, uh, I'm pretty much back into practice. The only thing is I'm, I'm a little bit fat and uh, <laughs> my, my ankle is a little bit weak, but besides that, like, you know, you do a little bit of jump rope and it'll be back to normal. That's, that's the only thing. 
if, if I had done the surgery, uh, this now I would be getting into the physical therapy part where I'm really getting after it. And, and we've been getting after it for the last eight weeks. Yeah. In a weird way, not that any injury is good, but in, in a weird way, like, are you glad it wasn't something that ended up being surgery? Because we know like when you do a knee or an ankle, things like that, like that actually gets you into surgery. Like that's what we're talking about. You know, you could be out for nine months to a year in terms of how long it takes you to get back into fighting. At least with this, it sounds like it was something you're able to heal on your own. And it sounds like you're already kind of back into training. So, you know, uh, in terms of getting back in shape for a fight, you're kind of on a normal timeline now. Yeah, finally, we're kind of getting back on the normal timeline. And, and man, I'm really happy I didn't have to do surgery. Uh, it would have been it would have been so frustrating. Imagine being out nine months. I, I already it's been it's going to be a year uh, since I fought already in, in May. So I being out another nine months. That would be tough. So I'm, I'm glad I didn't have to do surgery. I'm glad the recovery is uh, is, is pretty quick. And uh, honestly, the thing I'm most happy about is just to be able to get back and train. I, I really I enjoy training and I missed it. Yeah. You're in a much different situation now than you were when we had this conversation several years ago, when you were dealing with the injury with your neck and everything, and you were dealing with health issues to the point where, if I remember correctly, you're like questioning, like, could you go forward? Because it just continued to like give you problems. You've obviously bounced back from that. You're on this incredible win streak, and now you're, you know, hypothetically one win away from being in a title fight. Did you approach this injury in a different mindset in terms of how that affected you? Because I know that was, I know that was tough. Like we talked about it several times, how tough that injury was when you were dealing with that. Is this a much different feeling? It's much different, and it it obviously has to do with experience. You know, when I hurt my neck, I just kind of was like, this is. I can just, I can just, uh, you know, kind of push, push through this and fight through this and, and do all this. And it just kept getting worse and worse and worse to the point where, um, you know, I had stingers every day or every other practice. I, I, I could barely take a punch anymore. I, I, I couldn't go into practice and, and do light sparring anymore. I was, um, so that's why I was thinking about retiring, but you know, after, tons and tons of, I, we still do physical therapy for my neck as well after tons of physical therapy we're, we're where we're at now and I'm, I'm still getting stronger and um so experience has been really detrimental in, in how i uh, how i dealt with uh with the ankle I just or, or the leg uh, just as soon as i knew you know i didn't need surgery uh, I, I i was like I scheduled physical therapy to just strengthen uh, rehab and get back to work. And, and I, I think for an average person, I'm, I'm, I'm way more than recovered. I could go for a run right now. If I wanted to, I just, I know my right leg is going to get tired before my left leg. That's the only thing. So in, in terms of uh, the recovery, I'm a hundred percent, just one little thing that's left is strengthening the leg. Yeah. You know, I know no fighter ever wants to pull out of a fight. I mean, that's just the nature of who you are as fighters. We all understand that. But when you have an injury like that, not to say it makes it easier because I know you don't want to pull out of a fight, but you couldn't have fought on that. You know what I mean? Like, it's not something you could have said, you know what? I'll put it, you know, I'll wrap my ankle and I'll go in and fight freaking Islam Makachev with one leg. Like, you know, you got to, you had to understand that. But the good thing is, and it looks like I know, and I'll ask you about this in a second, but it looks like you're not really going to lose a whole lot of space here because we had the title fight coming up in a matter of days and it looks like they're going to try to rebook you with Islam. So even though the timing was off and everything, like in a weird way, like, do you feel like you do get to bounce back from this pretty quickly, get kind of right back to where you were? 
Yeah, getting to fight Islam is great because that was the fight that was supposed to happen. So it puts me right back where I need to be. So in terms of career, nothing got slowed down. And, and as far as fighting injured, you know, I fought with a broken chest before. I, I fought with a fully torn MCL. I fought with, with a broken nose before. You know, if I could fight, if, if I was able, if I was able to fight, uh, like walk, I would have taken the fight. The problem was, I remember driving to the hospital and thinking to myself, you know, I can push the gas pedal right now, so maybe it'll be fine when I get out of the car. And then as soon as I got out of the car, I couldn't, I couldn't take a step. I, uh, I had to hop over to the to the to the hospital, and it, it just until they finally read to me like it's it's a it's a broken fibula. I, that's when I was like, okay, I'm I'm out. I'm for sure out. I'm, there's no way I can fight now. So I, I I had hope until the very last second. That's actually why I never went in for my other injuries. When I broke my chest, I didn't know I broke my chest. I just had a big bump on my chest. I never told anybody uh, as far as doctors go. And I just said, I'll go fight and I'll figure it out later. It was, it was pretty painful. Same thing with the knee. I didn't know it was torn until the, after the fight. Because sometimes you go to the doctor and they tell you what it is. And you're like, and you start to question yourself. And if you just don't think about it, don't talk about it. And if you could just push through it, sometimes you can push through it. But just this time it wasn't the one. Yeah, we know because we've had these conversations, Benil, you know, when you were coming off the win over Tony Ferguson, you know, I think a lot of people could argue right then you go into a, a title fight. And I know when we had our last conversation prior to the fight cancellation, you had said, you know, it's a little frustrating that somehow you get lost in the mix. So, you know, we talk about these title contenders that you're not being mentioned. Were you happy? And again, I know that, you know, it's nothing against Islam. It's not his fault, of course. But were you happy that the UFC, you know, is looking? And you can tell me, I mean, I don't know if you, I, I assume because you're coming back from injury, you haven't really talked to them yet. Maybe you have, but it sounds like they're going to rebook that fight. It makes natural sense. We got the title fight coming up. We know the winner of that fight probably isn't going to fight again until the latter part of the year. And I can't imagine Islam wants to sit out for a year waiting. So it seemed like a natural fit to rebook this fight, right? Yeah, I'm stoked about it. For me, it's great because, uh, you know, if Islam got the title shot, I, that puts me back. I still have to fight somebody before I get a title shot. You know, this isn't boxing where you can just sit and wait. So I would still have to fight somebody to, to go for the title shots, and nothing changes for me. And, but and if I get booked with Islam and I beat him, I, I get uh, I get to the title a little bit faster, which would be great. Um and I know I'm going to end up fighting everybody anyways, but so to me, it doesn't matter to fight him now or later. It, it, the fight has to happen anyway, so I'm not overthinking it. And as far as the UFC reaching out, they reached out to me for July, and I wish I could. I just, man, I don't, uh, I don't have, I don't have the confidence in my leg to be back that quickly. I told, I, ideally for me, end of August, September would be would be great i think i would i would be much more confident to do something like that so that's that's where we're at and as far as what i've heard i you know i uh i'm, I'm hearing talks of islam wanting to fight in in october in uh, abu dhabi which makes sense he's, he's very popular there a lot of people uh, a lot of support there and uh if that's where it's got to be that's where it's got to be i don't mind i don't mind going to abu dhabi and, and doing that fight so i'm i got no issues with abu dhabi yeah. Yeah. It would be a big fight over there too. Of course. I know we've talked before about, you know, your roots in the area. Like, again, I think it would be, a. I mean, let's be honest, that'd be a big fight for, for that part of the world, right? For Abu Dhabi, that'd be a huge fight. Yeah, I think so. I think and uh, it'd be a great opportunity for both of us. Yeah, absolutely. I agree. I agree. Uh, with that being said, Benil, you know, you, again, this is all out of your control. And I know you said this before, like in a way, like what happened with Islam 
you know, he ended up fighting. He got Bobby Green. He got a win. Kudos to him. Of course, I know you're, I want to say former, is it former? I know you train with Rafael Dos Anjos. Do you still train with him? Does he still come up there and work with you guys? I don't get to train with him as much. Once in a blue moon, he'll show up to um, to California, and I'll be like, all right, bro, let's train. <laughs> Obviously, this last time uh, I didn't get to because of my leg, and, and he was in camp, and I was in camp. Uh, but, yeah, normally we, we do train here and there, and uh, – yeah, I, I, it's been a while though, I guess. Uh, yeah, but yeah, we, we stay in close touch. Can I can I be honest and say that? Listen, I understand the the um the want, you know, the desire to see Islam fight, you know, Dos Anjos on short notice. I get it. I understand everyone wanted to see it, but I don't blame Islam for not taking that fight. Dos Anjos is a freaking good fighter. And I don't care what you've been doing, training two weeks earlier, it's still a tough ass to go in and fight that guy two weeks after your last fight. I don't know how much weight he had gained, all those kind of things. But it seemed like the UFC, I won't say punished him, but it seemed like they're kind of like, well, you didn't take that fight, we're going to rebook the Benil fight. Now, personally, I think they should have rebooked the fight regardless because I love Bobby Green. I think he's an incredible fighter. But a beating him is not the same as getting a win over a guy like you. You're a top five guy. That's a much bigger statement in terms of getting a title fight. But what did you make of that whole situation? Because I don't want to blame Islam for not taking a short notice fight because I don't I don't blame anyone when you don't take a short notice fight. We all understand there's dangers involved and, and Dos Santos is freaking good. I I think man, there's there's a lot to go into that. You know, I think uh I I don't blame Islam as, at all for uh, for not wanting to fight, being like, "Hey, I I've, I want to break." You know, I've I've been fighting for a while. The only issue uh, with him was he, uh, I think he on Twitter mentioned something uh, about wanting to fight. Uh, I, I one sem- doing the fight at one seventy in in like a week or something. Uh, so that's where the issue comes, and then and then he pulls out. Uh, or not pulls out he and then he says no uh the, it didn't work out or the contract didn't go through or what, whatever the issue was i'm not sure i don't know if it's a good idea i don't think it's right to punish him but i, I i'm trying to be as unbiased as possible i don't think he should be punished for it but I, like you said i don't think a title, a title shot makes sense off of bobby green I, I understand he has a 10 fight win streak but none of those guys are top five so and you know, I I want the title shot as well. So I, I uh, again trying to be not biased, but yeah, I'd like to see him fight me before he gets that title shot. Yeah, I talked to I talked to Michael Chandler, who of course is fighting at UFC two seventy four, and I want to talk to you about his fight as well with Tony. But he had said, listen, he thinks you know he's, he has the utmost respect for Islam, but he said Islam still has more to prove. He hasn't fought those top guys yet. You know, he hasn't fought you. He hasn't fought Justin. He hasn't fought Oliver. He hasn't fought you know, Poirier. He hasn't fought those legitimate guys. The, the the guys we know, the established top five guys in the world. And he said, we got to see him fight one of those guys before we can say he's the next champion or contender or whatever. And I agree. Listen, I think Islam's a monster, no doubt about it, but he's got to fight you. If he, you know what I mean? Like, I think that just makes sense. He's got to go through a guy like you. If he wants a title shot, I, I, I have to agree with that. Yeah, and and like for example, we, you know, he's looked kind of unbeatable so far. But uh, similar to Chimaev when he fought uh, Durinho, he looked very human. Chimaev when he fought Durinho, and and so um, it, there's a reason why it's called the top five. So I, I think I think it makes sense. He has to beat somebody in the top five and and uh, and prove himself. Obviously, 
don't, uh, don't get me wrong, uh, wrong. Hamzad and, and uh, Islam, they may look similar, but they, they're not similar. They have totally different styles. Uh, Hamzad is definitely more willing to trade. He, uh, he's more aggressive. Uh, his jiu-jitsu is not as refined as, uh, as Islam's is, but he might have better wrestling. Might. I'm, I'm not sure. They both have pretty good wrestling. But it, it's just two different people. But I'm just, I'm just making that comparison because everybody was like, oh, give this guy a title shot, give this guy a title shot. And, and uh, you know, he fought Durinho, who's, uh, who's number two or three. And, 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 you know, some people thought he lost. Yeah, that was that was a wake up call. And listen, I I think I think Hamzat is incredible, but yeah, you don't you're not going to go really out there. Good. You're not going to walk through Gilbert Burns. No one walks through Gilbert Burns. Kamar Usman didn't walk through Gilbert Burns. Nobody does. So people who were saying exactly. he's just going to walk through that's ridiculous. And I agree. I think, like I said, you got to prove it. You know, you've gone through those wars, and I think on Breck. And this is again nothing against Islam, but you look at who you've beaten to get here. You've beaten tougher competition to this point now. That's why they make you an Islam, though. That's why we need to see this fight. Yeah, exactly. And man, uh, it's it's easy to wake up to to trade for a guy like Islam. You know, you you watch tape, and he's so good. And in reality, there's not a whole lot of tape because all of it all of it is the same. So you got to train extra harder. You got to do all the things that you can't skip any steps and. I, man, I, I enjoy the process, uh, getting ready for a guy like that. So I definitely want to see that fight. Yeah, absolutely. I agree. And you mentioned, I know you said October is fine with you in turn, cause you got to give your, your leg the proper time to heal. Like you said, July would just be too soon. Um, I know you don't want to be out of action. As you said, it's been a year, but do you feel like in a way that actually works out better because then by then, you know, your leg is going to be a hundred percent, no doubt about it. We can let this lightweight title fight play out here, you know, coming up at UFC 274. And then the next number one contender gets crowned in October kind of works out perfectly. Right. Yeah. Yeah, I guess. Um, well, for me, it works out pretty good. But if you think about it, for the champion, uh, he might have to sit out for too long. Uh, let's say Justin wins. Uh, is Justin going to want to wait? You know, I let's say I, I fight in October. I win in October. And then what? Uh, he, he has to wait another, like, four months, I guess. That would be so into uh, 2023 we'd fight or something. Or... Um, you know, uh, what's going to be the deal for him? How long is he going to sit out for? I'm, I'm, you know, we're, uh, we want to be as active as possible. I, I don't think I've met any fighter who says, nah, I just want to fight once a year or twice a year. So I'm sure he'll want to, whoever wins, or the same thing with Charles. I'm, I'm sure Charles would want to fight again before that. So that, that part gets tricky. I, I, um, for me, it's ideal October for, to fight, uh, but I, I don't know what's going to happen. Yeah. Well, let me ask you, as we get looking into UFC 274, because, of course, you have a vested interest in this uh, main event between Charles and Justin. Now, I know, just to put it out there so everyone's very clear, you have a, a, a real history with Justin. You've actually trained with Justin. Uh, you've helped Justin. And on the flip side, we've talked about, I don't want to rehash old business, but you were supposed to fight Charles, and then suddenly Charles didn't fight you. We all know the story that, you know, you accepted the fight, and then suddenly it didn't happen, and then he ends up fighting Tony. So I don't want to rehash everything with that. That being said, you actually have real interest in this fight beyond the title, but you have the past fight with Oliver and you've trained with Justin. So before we get into breakdown, can I ask you like your interest on that level? Like, because you have trained with Justin, because you have maybe I won't say a rivalry, that might be the wrong word, but like, I know you want that one. I know you want that Oliver fight. 
I do. I do. Definitely do. I want, I mean, I want, I want everybody. I, I, I want to, and I just want to retire and make sure I fought everybody. I don't want to be like, well, this guy was around when I was around and I never fought him kind of deal. So I definitely want, want that fight. Um, as far as how this fight's going to go and I, I, uh, having history with both guys, I, I try to be unbiased in, in how I do this because obviously Justin, I think he's a great guy and, 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 and he's a bud, <laughs> but here's how, what I think. If Justin can use his feints, his angles, and uh, his ability to stay out of the pocket, but when he is in the pocket, create as much damage as possible and then get out, I think if he can do that, he can he can get a knockout in the first or the second. Um, but if he tries to brawl, what's going to happen is in the brawl, uh, uh, Oliveira is going to shoot. Oliveira is great at brawling. He gets hurt sometimes when he brawls, but overall he's great at brawling. A lot of his finishes come from brawling. So he's not like he's bad at it. He, I think Oliveira is going to come in knees, kicks, uh, flying, whatever, and, and takedowns. And I think with all the knees, the kicks, the, uh, the, all of that is, is going to be um, uh, tr just trying to mask his takedown. So, Justin's got to be careful of the takedown. Justin's got to have good footwork. Justin's got to have good feints. If he can faint and, and just throw a lot of fakes out there, he's going to see everything. So that's what Justin has to do. And, and, and what Charles has to do is just, uh, he, he has, he's the one he actually has to make the fight dirty, which is, which is weird because typically that's what Justin does. And um, I don't know. I think Justin can definitely do it, but I, I don't know. I'm, I'm leading towards Justin, but don't count out Charles. I, I knew he was going to beat Poirier and I even called it. Yeah, you did. We talked about that before that fight. You called it and you said people are underrating Charles Oliveira. And listen, I did too in that fight. I actually said it was a very close fight. I leaned towards Poirier, but again, Oliveira going out there doing what he did. I actually, again, right here, like my gut says, Justin, I have a hard time picking against him. I'm a big fan of Justin Gaethje. I think he's a, a monster, but you know, Oliveira, again, he comes in, he seems to be better with his strategy now. He's not going out there and doing kind of the some of the things that cost him fights before. What scares me, though, is he he does get hit. You know, he got hit by Michael Chandler. He got hit by Dustin Poirier. And granted, he survived both of those and got wins in both those fights. That being said, it still scares me getting hit by Justin Gaethje because that guy's just like a human damage machine. And that always worries me when you're willing to go in there to get punched against the guy like Justin Gaethje, there's just an inherent danger in that. Yeah, so pretty exciting fight, if you ask me. I'm I'm uh I'm pretty excited to watch it. It's it should be really good. And I, I have to say, I when sparring with Justin, his hands the way Calvin had that too. Calvin, when they hit, it just feels heavier than everybody else. Their hands just feel different. So they got they they got some kind of special power that most people don't have. So I um I definitely see a first or second round knockout that for Justin if if the if he wins the fight. Yeah. On the flip side, you know, in terms of your own interest, again, you got to fight Islam Makachev. So I don't want to look past that in any way, shape, or form. But would you, in your own personal way, would you? I won't say root for it because I know you. Again, Justin's a friend, so I'm not gonna say you're a root against him. Is there a party that's like? I'd almost rather Charles win because I, I imagine you and Justin, I think we talked about this before. Like it would be difficult. Like you, you would do it. You're not like regular training partners, but he is kind of a buddy, right? Like, I know that's not the one you'd be like jumping up and down. Like, yes, I can't wait to fight Justin, but is there any party that's like, 
maybe he would be the tougher fight. I don't know. How do you how do you approach that with a guy you know and have trained with and I would imagine consider a friend? I, I rather I mean, I rather Justin win, so I guess I'd rather fight Justin. <laughs> <laughs> Obviously I would rather fight Charles for uh, but you know, since um it's not my opportunity for the belt, it's Justin's opportunity. hundred percent I want Justin to win. There's uh zero doubt about that. And as far as fighting Charles well, I'll, I'll see him uh, down the line. He's not going to just disappear after this fight. If he loses, he's he'll be back. So I'll, I'll, I'll find him too. Um, uh, I, I really do just want to fight everybody and, and, and uh, not, you know, miss out. <laughs> yeah. Is it one of those things I feel like, cause I remember we talked about Justin after you trained with him. I feel like we, we had this conversation before, but it's one of those things that if you're going to have to fight a guy, you respect a guy, you, you have admiration for a guy you would consider a friend. It's gotta be something big, right? It's and a title is the biggest thing you can do, right? Like if you're going to fight Justin Gaethje, you want it to be for a belt, right? Yeah. I don't see myself fighting him. Uh, if not for the belt, because why? You know, uh, if it's for the belt, I understand. I'm not trying to get in his uh, the way of his dreams, and he's not trying to get in the way of my dreams. But there are so many other guys that I can fight uh, in the lightweight division. Same thing for him. So many other guys. So if it's for the belt, okay. But if not, I, I just don't see myself doing it. Yeah, I remember talking to Drew Dober when he was getting ready for – I care what fight it was. He was getting ready for a fight, and he was out there training with uh, Justin. It was during the pandemic. And I was like, what are those training sessions like? And he's like, man, Justin's a, you know, incredible training partner. Those sparring sessions are wild. You train with Justin. What is it like training with Justin? What kind of a training partner is he? You know, I don't think you'll see the best in Justin when, when he, uh, when you watch his sparring and training, because following him around, he was so tired before he even got to practice to, to the, the, to the sparring practice or, or, you know, he would spar five hundred rounds and he'd have fresh guys on him every round, or he would sprint right afterwards or, or whatever it was. He, he, he'd always go in there uh, kind of handicapped almost, you know? Uh, so when he goes into the fight, it, it's like he took off all the shackles that he's wearing before he's fresh, he's feeling good. And, and you, you see a different level, you know, it's really hard to gauge him because in the training, sometimes you, you're like, Oh man, this guy, you, you could totally deal with him. And then some, when, the days he was fresh, I was like, Oh, maybe I can't deal with this. This is, <laughs> this is a big problem. You know, uh, it, he's unpredictable. I would say is the best way to describe him. Yeah. Now you said it before you were one of the only people to give you credit. You were one of the only people to pick Charles Oliveira to beat Justin Gay or to, excuse me, to beat Dustin Poirier. A lot of people, and I get it. Dustin's incredible. There's a reason why a lot of people were picking him, but on this one, your heart of hearts, you believe Justin gets it done. Yeah. I'm leaning towards Justin and I, I'll call second round knockout. I called third round submission rear naked choke for, for the last one. So I'll, I'll call second round knockout for Justin. Yeah, I agree. I like Charles, you know, I, the, the poor guy probably hates me at this point. Cause I never seem to pick him, but, uh, but I just think Justin, like I said, I just, there's just something about this matchup. And again, at some point when you're willing to get hit, uh, and, and, and take a shot and, and he doesn't, and, and Charles, don't get me wrong. Charles has, you know, incredible power on his own, right? We saw what he did in the second round of Chandler. Mm -hmm. We've seen what he's done, but I just, I, I think that's always a dangerous game to play with a guy like with Justin Gaethje. I just, again, and I, I admit I'm a big Justin Gaethje guy. I like Justin very much. I think he's an incredible fighter. And, uh, you know, again, maybe I'm bad luck for, maybe I'm good luck for Charles picking against him, but I just, I, I 
can't pick against Justin there. I like Justin to win this fight. Um, let me ask you about the other big lightweight fight on this card, of course, which is Michael Chandler against Tony Ferguson. Now, you're a guy, of course, you have a, a dominant win over Tony Ferguson, a uh, fight where you nearly took his leg home with you during the fight, as I might remember. Uh, I am really in, I'm really intrigued by this one because Michael Chandler, listen, he's one and two in the UFC, but his two losses, I mean, come on. He went to war with Justin Gaethje, fight of the year, and then he you know, nearly finished Charles Oliveira in the first round, and then, of course, Charles came back and finished him in the second, uh, and he has the knockout over Dan Hooker. Um, let me ask you, as a guy who fought Tony Ferguson, you know, I think Tony Ferguson gets a bit of a bad rap because everyone's like, well, Tony's done. He's past his prime. But I think when you think about who he's lost to, he lost to Justin Gaethje in a fight that he was he had moments in. He had Justin Hurt a couple times. He lost to Charles Oliveira. He lost to you. That's three of the top five guys in the freaking world right there. That's not, that's a murderer's row to go through to get wins in the first place. But you tell me, what do you expect out of Tony Ferguson in this fight? Because I feel like a lot of people are just thinking like he's done. So one thing I noticed with Tony, his jujitsu was better than I expected. His jujitsu was a lot better than I expected, actually. Uh, but, but something that surprised me also was he, he never tried to get up. He never uh, really attempted to get up. I think he was uh, maybe worried about the chokes or something. I, I don't know, but he never really attempted to get up. The fight's really going to depend on what Chandler's trying to do. If Chandler is trying to be fight of the year, another fight of the year candidate and just trying to be the exciting guy, then it's 50, 50. Because what what could happen? He can come out, uh, start swinging, and, and knock out um, uh, Tony in the first round, or Tony can endure and Tony gets stronger as the round uh, rounds go. So round two, round three, Tony kind of picks it up and 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 he wins the fight. I, it's it's a tricky one because. Um, Chandler for me is unpredictable now. I feel like I'm because I, I fought Tony. I, I have a better understanding of Tony. I haven't fought Chandler, so I don't. I don't. I don't know what he's gonna do. I can't. I. I can't feel. Uh, I can't really feel him out as well. But um, yeah, I'll, I'll lean toward Chandler for this one. But I, I, I'll, I'll say unanimous decision. Yeah, I like Chandler as well. And my biggest thing with this one is that. I wonder, like, you know, when you, I, I, I think that when you, again, are willing to get hit, it's a risk. When you're willing to go in there and trade with a guy who has heavy hands, it's a risk. Just like fighting Justin Gaethje or Dustin Poirier or yourself. I mean, you have a lot of knockouts. And and I think that's always a risk. And Chandler hits really hard. You know what I mean? We know that's documented. He hits really freaking hard. So um, I just, I don't know how Tony, I'm, I'm kind of with, I, like, I'm on the other side. I don't know how Tony's going to approach this fight. Is he going to try to wrestle? Is he going to try to go for submissions? Is he going to try to make Chandler wrestle with him? Because if it just ends up being a stand-up war, you know, I lean towards Chandler because I think Chandler has more power. And I wonder, can Tony take those shots just standing in the pocket and trading with a guy like Michael Chandler, because we know Tony has, you know, Tony has had those moments where he's gotten hurt in fights where he's getting a little wild. We saw it in the Pettis fight. We saw it in the land of Anata fight where he gets a little crazy and gets hit. Um, and I just don't think you can play that game with Michael Chandler. But I'm wondering how Tony's going to approach this because Tony, Tony always talks about his wrestling and his jiu-jitsu, but he really hasn't used that much. Like, and I know you mentioned you were surprised by his jiu-jitsu, but like he hasn't, he didn't go out there and try to take you down. You took him down. You dominated him on the ground. I was surprised he, he's, he's, I won't say he's abandoned it, 
but it seems like he hasn't gone towards his wrestling at all in recent fights. Yeah, I would agree with that. But I will say this, as as far as the, the stand-up goes, Gagey, what, he, what looked like a boxing advantage, in reality, uh, really was a kicking advantage. Gagey had such better kicks uh, that the boxing just, uh, that that's when uh, the... The gap was created. I think the kicks created the gap between their their skill level in terms of boxing. I think I'm not, I don't know if Chandler has that. I think Chandler has more boxing in him than he does kicks. So that being said, Tony has good boxing. Tony's boxing style, and if it's just boxing where he's just, I, I think he actually does really well. I, he he's got he's got a he's got a weird funky style where he doesn't really take too much damage. Uh, if his legs aren't getting kicked, I think most of the time he takes most of the damage when he's, his legs are just getting chopped down. And I think that's what happened with Justin Gagey. Um, I, I remember watching him fight uh, Cerrone. Cerrone was having luck when he, uh, or not luck. Cerrone was doing well when he was kicking uh, the legs. And then when he stopped kicking the legs, uh, Tony did well. Same thing when Hoffa fought him. Tony's, boxing took over once Hoffman stopped kicking after the first round. So if Chandler is going to do, uh, is, is going to do a three round battle with, with, uh, with Tony, he better be ready to kick those legs. Yeah, I agree. It's funny because like I said, I I'm picking Chandler to win, but I still hate the idea that everyone thinks Tony's just done. I just, I, again, when you go through the best in the world, sometimes you're not going to win. And maybe he's not the, maybe he's not the best guy in the world. That's fine. There's nothing. I mean, that's not everyone could be the best in the world, but uh, you know, even losing to Chandler, I'm like, well, is it really that bad? I mean, he lost to you. You're one of the best in the world. He lost to Charles. He's the current champion. He lost to uh, just who's about to fight for this. I, I just, I hate this narrative that just because he's lost that he's somehow washed now. Like I just refuse to believe that maybe Chandler wins this fight it's unfortunate maybe, you know, several losses in a row for him, but I just, I, I refuse to just give up and say, Tony's done. He is older. So he's probably towards the latter part of his career. He's probably not going to fight for another five years. I think that's just natural. But um, like I said, when you're fighting Benil Dariush, when you're fighting Justin Gaethje and you're fighting Charles Oliveira, that's not easy. Yeah. There's, there's definitely some truth to that. And the problem with MMA is it's not like track. You, you basically go through the same workout and, and your time, you, you, you look at your time and you say, oh, I'm, I'm in shape, my time's really good, I'll be fine. The, the, the problem with MMA is there's, it's constantly growing. It's, uh, you're getting new, new techniques and new things. And, and so I think that's where Tony's problem has been. He hasn't been adding uh, new techniques to his game. He hasn't been developing his wrestling too much. I think he's, he's focused more on jujitsu and, and boxing. And, and so all these other guys are, are, are constantly developing all, all the areas. And, and uh, when they see a weakness, they take advantage of it. I, I think that's where, uh, that's where Tony's having a hard time because if I had to fight Tony in just boxing, it wouldn't, that, it wouldn't be that easy. You know, it, it would be a tough fight. Uh, obviously if it's just jujitsu, I think I'll be okay because I have my jujitsu background, but if I, I'm telling you, if, if I had to be pushed into his strength, it'd be a lot trickier. I think where Tony's having the problem is he's allowing people to take the fight into their strength. And that's where he's, uh, he's struggling. But I think Tony is still one of the better guys in the world. 
Yeah, I agree. I agree. It's funny. Years ago, Benil, when we did our first interview when you were coming to the UFC, I remember looking you up and looking up your record and looking up your resume. And I remember saying at the time, I was like, man, here comes this incredible jujitsu guy coming into the UFC world-class grappling. I cannot wait to see. And you have used your grappling a lot. Now talk about evolving. Now you're a knockout striker. You've developed your boxing and your, and your power to that point. That's the evolution. Cause again, I would have been the first guy when you first arrived, say he's a, he's a jujitsu guy. You're a jujitsu guy. Now you've developed other parts of your game. You have that knockout power. You have several knockouts on your record. I think it speaks to the volumes about the work you've done to become who you are today, where you are one of the best guys in the world, where you're no longer a gra- just a grappler. You are a full, well-rounded mixed martial artist who can wrestle, who can grapple, and you can also knock people out. Yeah, um, it's just time, you know, uh, time and not really skipping anything, making sure, recognizing that the game continues to grow and people keep adding stuff, and, and I got to do the same. I... I it's actually harder for me because once you get to the top, you have to stay ahead of the curve. Man, there's young guys coming up. I, I you train jujitsu now. You train with 19 year olds, 18 year olds, and and they're giving you a run for for your money. You you train boxing with like with these world class guys. Forget about it. They're gonna whoop you. Uh, same thing with uh, kickboxing things like that. And man, I got I got kids in wrestling right now who are 18 that just whoop on me, and it's it's embarrassing. But that's that's the sport. We have to continually put ourselves in, in places where we're getting our butt kicks and say, what is he doing that's kicking my butt? And can I take that for myself? And I, I think that's how you can stay ahead of this game. Yeah, I agree. Well, you've definitely done that. And that's why you have become one of the best lightweights in the world. And uh, I really can't wait to see this fight with you in Islam. You know, I, I mean, I'm sure we'll talk again before the fight once it actually gets scheduled, but I'm really excited. They're going to rebook it because I think it's the natural matchup. That needs to happen. I'm glad the leg's doing well. I got to say, though, there's one bright side. I I can imagine. Please correct me if I'm wrong. If there's one bright side to having an injury, I'm assuming you got more uh, uh, dad time and and family time. Is there one? Is that one bonus? Maybe it's been so good, man. Um, Being hanging out with my daughter was definitely the thing that got me through this. It was definitely the light at the end of the tunnel kind of deal because, man, I was just stuck and I kept like praying like, why, why, why? And then every day I'd wake up. But every time I pray about like, you know, why this is happening, I also had my daughter there and it it felt like an immediate answer. Like, Hey, shut up and just go enjoy time. Enjoy your time with your daughter, you know, stop complaining and, and look at the bright side. And so that's what I did. I hung out with my daughter as much as I could. And and now she's 10 and a half months and she's, bossing me around at 10 and a half months she points at things like go over here do this do that but because i do all that i'm the favorite so it's it's kind of a fair trade yeah i tell you but you know and you, i know you said it's because when your daughter was being born i remember we talked about it you wanted to take time off after she was born because you don't get that time back like when your daughter's you know just being born this is invaluable time right like this is time if you're going to look at the bright side of things you've got invaluable time with your daughter that you wouldn't have otherwise so i mean again there is a there is a silver lining i guess to the to the unfortunate situation right 100 man it's it's definitely been the silver lining that's the best way to put it because in a way if if i have to do this all over again just because i got to spend so much time with my daughter i'd do it all the same 
Yeah, that's amazing. That's amazing. I know how much your family means to you, so I can only imagine. Like I said, if you got to look at one bright side, that's been the bright side. Uh, Benil, it is always a pleasure to catch up with you. Again, it felt like we hadn't chatted for a little while, so I was glad to get you on to help me break down some of these fights, especially, of course, in the lightweight division, your division. Uh, I'm looking forward to UFC 274. I'm glad you're feeling better. I'm glad the leg's doing well. Uh, I cannot wait to get this fight with Islam rebooked, and I'm sure we'll talk again before that actually happens. But thank you, as always, my friend, for taking time for me, and uh, I appreciate you doing this. Thanks, brother. Thanks for uh, thanks for thinking about me and having me on. I appreciate you. Take care. Always, always. We'll talk soon, okay? Sounds good. All right, bye-bye. What does it take to be an entrepreneur, and how is it changing in our ever-evolving business landscape? This is Scott Galloway, host of the Prop G Podcast, and an entrepreneur myself. Right now, we've got a special three-part series running all about the future of entrepreneurship. We're answering your questions on work-life balance, how to raise capital for your business, and more. Because when you're an entrepreneur, it's always important to look ahead at what's to come. So tune in to the future of entrepreneurship of Prop G Pod, special sponsored by Mercury. You can find it on the Prop G Pod feed or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, this is Scott Galloway, author, professor, entrepreneur, and most importantly, host of the Prop G Podcast. We got a special series running on right now called The Future of Work, where I answer all your questions on, surprise, The Future of Work. Questions including, what are we missing when we work remotely? Or how do we handle work-life balance when a major opportunity comes knocking? From the provocative to the technical, we're offering insights you won't want to miss. So tune in to the future of work, a PropGPod special sponsored by Canva. You can find it on the PropGPod wherever you get your podcasts. Always great to catch up with Benil Dariush, of course, very much looking forward to him coming back later this year, hopefully for that fight against Islam Makhachev, which I think we all want to see. And of course, giving his thoughts on the main event between Justin Gaethje and Charles Oliveira, as well as the fight coming up between Michael Chandler and Tony Ferguson at UFC 274 this weekend. Right now, I'm going to talk to another top lightweight, except this one is over in the women's division. She is one of the top fighters in the world and she is making her return to the PFL this weekend, Friday night, in fact, uh, to kick off the 2022 season. It is always great to speak to Kayla Harrison. She is uh, one of the best in the world. We're going to talk about her free agency, uh, ultimately going back to the PFL. And uh, she has an interesting response, let's say, to Juliana Pena. So stay tuned for that right now. Let's talk to Kayla Harrison. Kayla, how are you? I'm good. I'm good. How are you? I'm fantastic. Thank you for taking the time for me as always. And of course, here we sit literally a week away from uh, from the return to action. Um, yes. We we talked a lot during your free agency period. And, and when you became yeah. a free agent, I think the entire MMA world was watching, you know, saying, what is Kayla yeah. going to do? And I know at the beginning, it was kind of fun. You were like the, you know, you're like the girl to prom. Everyone's waiting to see who you dance with. Um, but I know kind of at the end, you're kind of like, all right, I'm sick of this. Like, let's just get this done. Like, can you kind of describe yeah. the free agency process for me now that you've gone through it and like, you know, kind of come out on the <laughs> other side of it? Yeah, I think it's, it, I mean, you, you summed it up pretty good, right? Like in the beginning I had just won my title again and, um, you know, I was going to all the events and having all the dinners and meeting all the people and, you know, the, there were so many opportunities. I was very excited. Um, but then, you know, you kind of get a little antsy and you're like, all right, well, let's figure something out. This is the time where I'm not, you know, I did my job. I went out, I won, I, I 
made a statement. So this is now it's everyone else's turn to do their job. It's Ali's turn to do his job. It's the PFLs, it's Bellators, it's UFCs. It's, it's, all, the, it's all their job now to figure out who and where I'm going to go. Um, and I think that, you know, I learned a lot during the process just in terms of, you know, it, it's, it's a business. It's a business. Yeah. And maybe what my heart wants or maybe what, maybe what it just was a huge roller coaster, you know? And I think a lot goes on behind the scenes of free agency and, and that people maybe don't understand and they, they're not clear on and you know it's just it's a lot it's a lot i prefer i prefer having a contract i'll tell you that (laughs) (laughs) let me you know one thing you know if there is one kind of uncertainty to free agency it's that you know ultimately you are depending on other promotions to go out there and say hey we want to sign you like hey we want to offer you this contract to bring in and yeah, I, I remember, I'm not going to mention names, there was one free agent several years ago coming off some big wins, you know, coming at the end of the contract, and I don't think they got the offers they thought they were going to get, you know, they thought, oh, I'm going to hit the free agency and everyone's going to be, you know, rolling, you know, hand over fist to pay me everything, and it just didn't play out that way. I think mm-hmm. that wasn't the case with you. I think everyone was ready to sign Kayla Harrison. We know Bellator. I'm quite sure the UFC would have liked to have done it, you know, all those kind of things. In a weird way, like, even though, again, all, I don't think it's any surprise PFL wanted you. I think we all knew that going into the process. But was there some, was there at least a little bit of validation in the talent you know you have and the record you put together that there were so many other people pursuing your talents and trying to bring you in? Because there's no guarantee of that. Uh, when you go yeah. into free agency and, and I think we all saw, and again, please tell me if I'm wrong, but it seemed like everyone was kind of making a hard charge to sign you. No, that's a great, that's a valid point. I think for sure it feels good to be wanted. You know, everyone, everyone wants <laughs> to be wanted, I think in some way, shape or form. Um, but I've always bet on myself, you know, I've, I've always bet on myself. I've always believed in myself. I've always um, worked hard to, to make those, those things happen. And, um, yeah, it's definitely validating, but it's also, it's, it's a weird thing, right? Because there's all of this, like, I don't know. It's yeah, it's validating. It's validating. Yeah. Ultimately the PFL stepped up and, you know, matched the contract and, and of course they want to bring you back. There's no giant secret about that. You're the face of the PFL. You've been the face of the PFL from day one and forgive me. And not that you need me to make your argument for you, Kayla, because you certainly don't trust me. Uh, You're one of the greatest (laughs) speakers in mixed martial arts, but like, and part of my argument when you resigned was I don't understand. I don't understand other people having an issue with two things. One, you're getting paid and, and I'll start here. Uh, I know your manager, Ali, very well. He negotiates your contracts and, and beyond even a million dollars. Is it is it fair to say you maybe or already are the highest paid woman in mixed martial arts? Like, is that I mean, that's not. Uh, out of- yeah, I believe so. You know, I believe so. I'm not um, I'm not allowed to get into super details on the contract, but um, I will say that I make. A, I make more money than I ever dreamed I would make. Um, and there's security, you know, there's a lot of guarantees in the contract and, um, it's an amazing contract. You know, it's an amazing contract. I'm super happy with it. 
Yeah. And then part two of that is the level of competition. Everyone's saying, oh, well, you're, you're not, you didn't go to the UFC, you didn't go to Bellator. Is there something, like, I, I have a hard time believing the PFL wouldn't sign Chris Cyborg if she wanted to come there. Like, why are you the one that has to go other places? I guess is what I'm getting at. Like, why are you the <laughs> one that has to, like, you. you know what I mean? Like, why do you have to go to Bellator yeah. and fight Chris Cyborg? Like, isn't Chris Cyborg, if I'm not mistaken, I think she has, like, one fight on her deal left, and I think her deal's yeah. coming up fairly soon, like... She yep. says, you got to come to Bellator, you got to come. Why? Why can't she come to PFL? I mean. Thank you. Thank you for making my arguments for me. I appreciate you. I'm just you. saying. I'm just saying. <laughs> no, I think, um, I think because in the fans' eyes and, a, and in a lot of people's eyes, uh, I'm still the newcomer, which is true, you know, compared to an Amanda, compared to a Cyborg, I'm still the, the newcomer. And I think in their eyes, um, Bellator has been around for a lot longer. The UFC is obviously um, you know, the powerhouse of the MMA world right now. So I think in their eyes, it's like, oh, for it to be legitimate, it has to be where we are used to seeing it be legitimate. Like it, and I think that's, what's exciting about PFL. You know, they're really, um, they're not afraid to try new things. They're not afraid to, to break the mold. They're not afraid to like, I have been assured by the top dogs of the top dogs that they're going to do everything in their power to, to make big fights happen for me. Um, you know, it's hard for me to think about that right now because I have a fight next week and I have the season and, and I don't overlook anyone and I have to go in here and be prepared to, to have four hard wars this year. Um, but I, I am very confident that the PFL is going to, is going to show out and, and is going to try and make a splash with making these big fights. Yeah, I agree. I totally agree. And listen, I, I, I I think Chris Cyborg's a legend. I think we all have a lot of respect for her and what she's done in her career, but uh, it's not like she's fighting, you know, uh, you know, the great, I'm not discounting the people she's fighting, but she's now in the point where she just went to a rematch with Arlene Blinko. She's looking at a rematch with Shanae. It's not like she's got like yeah. this plethora of fighters that are right, like, right, you know what I mean? Right. Like she's, she has basically the, the one opponent that she hasn't fought is Kaz Zingano, and, and I don't think Kaz Zingano's, I, I, again, I don't know if anyone's banging the drum to say, man, she's the greatest featherweight ever, you know what I mean? So it's like... Right, right. And again, I mean, I'm, not, not, I'm not knocking her. I'm not knocking I'm just saying, like, I don't oh, understand, like, there's somehow there's, there's this argument that you're fighting lesser competition. Or, I, don't, I don't get that. I, mean, I, don't, I really don't. That that's a real, I think it's a testament to Cyborg. I think it's a testament to, you know, these girls who are at the top. Like, I would say Cyborg and me, like, we're just that good. Like, it's not that these girls are bad. If you, if you put them all against each other, they're, they're close fights. It's, it's difficult. It's, it's, and it's, and I'm not saying that I just think that she's at a different level and I'm at a different level. And I don't, uh, I don't mean to discredit anyone or, or say anything bad about any of the, the women who are stepping in the cage and doing this. Like, it's just, uh, it's a different, I don't know. I mean, I've been training since I was, I started doing two days when I was like 10, 11, 12 years old. You know, I qualified for the Olympic trials when I was 14 years old. Like I've been, I've been doing a martial art my entire life. I don't know when cyborg started. Obviously she's a special breed. You know, she's a, she's a, been doing this for a long time. She has a, a wealth of knowledge and experience and um, it's just going to take time for these girls to get there. I believe that there's the next Kayla Harrison training right now. I believe there's the next Chris Cyborg training right now. I, shit. I got, I got these two young girls at the gym. You know, I got Michelle and I got this girl, Evelyn and this girl, Emily, and they're all like young and hungry and they're not judo players in a cage. They're not, 
Muay Thai specialists, they're MMA fighters, you know, and they're coming. <laughs> <laughs> I think that the, the evolution of women's MMA is still a little bit behind men's, right? Because it's, it hasn't had as long to be around. Like you have guys now who are just MMA, like they're just all around beasts in the sport. And we're going to get to that point where you see that in women's MMA sooner yeah. rather than later. It's, it's just growing so exponentially fast. But yeah, I think it's a, it's kind of sucks that all the top fighters in the featherweight and let's say, I'll, we'll say I'm a featherweight, you know, technically whatever division, Amanda, myself, Cyborg, we're all in different organizations, you know, and, and that's, that sucks. Yeah. Well, and the other thing I would say, and, and this is, I know this is probably going to irritate, uh, you know, I'm sure I'm probably going to get a call from someone at Bellator is going to complain to me for saying this. But I had this conversation with Patchy Mix, funny enough, a Bellator fighter, when he was getting ready to fight Kyoji, a teammate of yours. And he was yeah. trying to tell me, he's like, listen, I think Kyoji's a great fighter, but I think the, he, he said, I don't want to insult your teammate, but he said something to the effect, I, I'm not, even if I don't agree with him, I liked what he said. He said, I think the perception of Kyoji being this monster is a little different than what I think in reality. And I think that was the right mindset because you, you can't go mm, into it. You can't go, you can't go into a fight thinking your opponent is like Godzilla. You know what I mean? You got to go into it. Like, yeah. Right. I think there's a perception that Bellator, because they've been around longer, that they are the number two organization. But I think an argument can be made that when you look at television ratings, when you look at exposure, being on ESPN, all those kind of things, that PFL is the number two organization. Yeah. And you know, I don't Absolutely. think anyone's gonna, listen. No one's no one's arguing the UFC is number one. We all know the UFC is number one. There's no, you know, right. we all understand right. that. But I mean, again, I think the argument can be PFL is number two. And again, how is it bad that that's, you know what I mean? Like, that's the situation to play right. out. Like, you're with an organization, clearly wants you're going to pay a boatload right. of money. They brought in fighters right. like Julia Budd. Like, again, I, I just don't, I don't really, I don't see a bad side to this, I guess is what I'm getting at. Yeah. I mean, I think that a lot of people, um, I, I mean, I don't know, because I try not to spend a lot of time thinking about what all these, trolls and fans and people think about me, but I think the, I very clearly state that I want to be the best. You know, I don't make any, I say that I want to be the greatest of all time. That's, that's my goal for myself. Um, and then here comes this amazing free agency opportunity where I have the chance to go and fight in another organization. And, and I think in a lot of people's eyes, they think that I ran or that I took the money or that I, um, I'm just all talk, I guess. And I mean, I, I just, you know, these people don't really understand contract negotiations. They don't understand, you know, I, I will say I had an opportunity to go fight and I accepted it. I had an opportunity to go fight and I accepted it. PFL matched that offer. So I was going to go fight and I wasn't going to do a tune up. I wasn't going to go, um, you know, get my, dip my toes in, in the water. I was going to go fight actually April 22nd <laughs> and PFL matched the offer and, and they have the right to do that. And they, they're taking great care of me and they, and they're, I'm happy with it, you know, but I'm not running from anybody. I'm not hiding from anybody. I'm not afraid of anybody. I do want to be the greatest of all time. I think, um, good things, great things take time. Good things take time. Great things take even longer. And I'm patient, you know, I'm patient. I'm going to be, I'm going to be patient. I'm going to keep doing what I do. And I'm just going to be so good that they can't ignore me. 
Yeah. Last thing I'll bring up on this particular subject, because I, you have to give me credit. I know you do a lot of interviews, Kayla, but I know we've gone, we go back a ways when <laughs> everyone, when everyone was trying to, every, like no one would ever, you'd ever, you'd never escape an interview without someone being like, so what about you and Amanda? Because you're a teammate. No, like, yeah, yeah, yeah but, good. but here's, so I always, I, I just, I avoided it because one, it wasn't happening and two, you were teammates. And so it didn't really, yeah. you know, did, I, I wasn't trying to stir controversy for the sake of stirring controversy. But I will I say one you. thing. Here, here's here's what I'll say. This I'm bringing up one last thing. Can I just say two words to you and say go? Because you are Kayla Harrison. You are the best talker okay. in the sport. Here we go. Two <laughs> words. Juliana Pena. Go. Oh my god. <laughs> uh, listen, you're gonna get these. You 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 in the media need to be careful. You're gonna get somebody hurt. Okay, <laughs> and it's gonna be on your hands, not mine, because you're gonna get a girl hurt. You're going to get her really seriously hurt. And it's not, it's not going to be, it's not going to be on my conscience because you guys did this. You guys allow, you gave her this platform and you allowed her to think that she could stand in a cage with me and beat me. And you gave her this, this delusion. <laughs> I mean, I mean it. I mean it. You, you guys are, you guys are to blame. If I ever, get the pleasure of fighting her whatever happens it, i want all of you guys to go and look in the mirror and know that you did that because you I'll are take... stirring it i am <laughs> fucking i am i'm fucking i am very frustrated that i can't just beat her ass yeah i will take responsibility because uh I, if you can't tell, you don't need it. You certainly don't need it, but I'm right here right now playing, you know, the Dan Lambert to your, to your professional wrestling career right now because, <laughs> because I want to see it. So yeah, maybe way I, better I, looking I, than Dan Lambert, way better than Dan Lambert, <laughs> but maybe, maybe I, I'm listen, I, I like seeing, you know, I like seeing certain things and I'm not going to lie. I wouldn't mind seeing that. I'm just saying, Kayla, I'm not, I'm yeah. not, you know, I'm not trying to get into trouble. I'm just saying I wouldn't mind seeing that. No, no, and listen, like, I mean, I mean, I'm talking, I'm, uh, she, I think I just, uh, I think that, um, in my opinion, she doesn't respect me and I think I need to go earn her respect and that's by fighting her. I think that'll, that'll do it. Yeah. Yeah. I would love to see it one day. And I think, I think we will see it. And, uh, you know, also, you know, to the PFL's credit, like I said, when we talk about people wanting you and, and going out and fighting for you, I think that says a lot, right? Like you never had an issue with PFL. And, and now that you're back, it no, seems no. like they're putting their full promotional push behind you. Uh, you yeah. can tell because we've seen it like when and it, I, maybe it's just the Dana White way. And I listen, Dana does his own business. But we've seen it, like when a, when a guy or girl's leaving the UFC, suddenly Dana's like, well, they were never that good. They were this, whatever. PFL was like behind you the whole way. Like they they were 100 percent in the Kayla, Har Kayla Harrison business. Uh, and yeah. now they're pushing you, your main event, all these kind of things. Like <laughs> They are behind you. And it does feel good, right? Like this organization's like we are we are built on Kayla Harrison. Like there's something to be said about that. Yeah, for me, it's an honor. You know, I think there was a time when um, maybe I was a little, I felt a little, I don't want to say undervalued, but maybe underappreciated. I don't know. There was a time when I was like, man, like what, it, what you know, what's going on here? And, and there were some things in contracts and stuff like that. And and I will tell you that it's, we've, we've been able to totally 
stay on the same page. We've been able to communicate. We've been able to do good business. And, I, you know, I think it's an honor for me to be the face of PFL. I, I do believe I helped build this company. Um, I, I do take great pride in that. And I'm looking forward to, to continuing to help it grow even more and, and continue to cement my legacy. You know, it's, it's very, um, it's a, it's a fruitful relationship for both of us. I think, you know, it's, it's what, it's what good business is. You know, there's like a, a win, there's a win, lose, there's a lose, lose, and there's a win, win. And you know, we're, we're both winning. Yeah, I totally agree. I totally agree. I'll ask you this. It's funny. I spoke to your teammate, Joanna Jacek yesterday, and she just re-upped her contract with the UFC. And of course she, you know, I'm sure you saw maybe in the media, whatever she was like, you know, very fighting for, you know, more money and basically say, if I'm going to go out and put on the wars I put on, I want to make sure I'm getting compensated for that. And I 100% agree Absolutely. with everything she said. Um, yeah. And I said, I said, you want, I'm going to play therapist here and I'm going to ask you a question. I'm going to do the same thing for you, Kayla, at the end of the day. Are you happy? Like in terms of where you're at right now in your career, are you happy? <laughs> you know, I would say I'm, I'm happy, but I'm not satisfied. I think there's a difference. Like I'm at peace with everything that's happening, but I'm not, I'm not where I want to be you know, so the hunger is still there. The drive is still there. The determination, the dedication, it's all still there. I'm not satisfied by any means. I'm still that hungry kid who friggin' didn't have an Olympic gold medal, didn't have $5. Like that, that part of me is still not satisfied, but I am very happy. Like sometimes I look at my life and I can't, I can't believe it. Like I really, truly, I really like, (laughs) I, I don't like, not that I think my life is movie worthy or anything like that, but if my life were to be a movie and I were, were to watch it and see how it is right now, if this were the end, if tomorrow, tomorrow was the end of my life, I would cry because it's such a beautiful movie. I would cry because it's such an amazing story of, um, overcoming hardship and struggle and, um, you know, being able to, to have people there for you who, who pick you up when you can't pick yourself up and friendship and loyalty. Like, it's just such an amazing story, um, of triumph over like life, I guess, you know, life has hit me really hard a lot of times. And I'm so blessed and grateful that I have the people I have in my life who never gave up on me. And, and and now I'm sitting and then it's not just about the money, you know, I think it's just about all of it, who I became as a person, um, what I stand for, how I live my life, what I, what I choose to be. It's not just, it's not just the money. That's not to me. That's not what I mean when I say, Oh my gosh, I'm so blessed. I mean, like I'm so blessed with the person I have become, the things that I've seen, the people I've met, the places I've been, the children I have, like, everything happened for a reason and and i'm so grateful for all of it yeah and you still have a lot of time to prove you know you are the greatest of all time one thing i know you are very proud of achieving though right now and i don't want to knock anyone else that's out there of course kayla but i think you're already on your way you're fighting really hard now to be the world's greatest mom right like that's already in the it's already in the play right because i know that you love being a yeah. mom i mean i know how much you love your kids i know that you love that part yeah. of your life as well i do it's um yeah, it's the most amazing thing. You know, it's, it's the hardest thing I've ever done. I mean, I, I was just talking to Mike Brown about this yesterday. Like, thank God I have 
you know, the financial abundance that I have where I can hire someone to come watch them while I train at night or to help me make dinner or to like, because I, my hat goes off to all the single moms out there. Like this next fight, it's for all of y'all. Okay. Because I like, I can't imagine what if I was a single mom, like struggling to make ends meet, you know, like, it's just, it's the hardest job in the world. And uh, it is a full-time job in and of itself. So trying to do that and balance my career and, um, you know, brush my hair. I didn't do it. I didn't brush my hair this morning, but anyways, trying to do all of that, <laughs> I, didn't, I was like, you know what, something's got to give and it's the hair. Um, trying to do all of that is exhausting. So um, I really have a lot of newfound respect for single parents, um, especially over this last two like this last year even I would say like the struggle of trying to find the balance between all of it has been a big hurdle in my life but now I think we're getting to that point where we're doing really good you know we're we're I mean we have been doing really good not like I'm like you know let them run around naked or anything like they're fine <laughs> they're taken care of. but um we're we're good everything is good I'm I'm so happy you know it's like friggin' parent teacher conferences and ballet recitals and wrestling practice. And, you know, I go from my training to their things and, and I, I, my life is so full and I, I wouldn't have it any other way. I really would. Yeah. Do you ever, because you are a pretty high profile athlete and especially, you know, in your area where you live, of course, you know, being down in American top team, do you ever go to a parent teacher yeah. conference and one of the other parents is like, Hey, I, um, I know you. Yeah. <laughs> my kids go to, my kids go to a, like a small Christian school and actually everyone kind of knows everyone. So it's not like everyone actually is very supportive there. Like they're all like, they have like watch parties and like some of them came to my fight at the hard oh, rock awesome. last year. Yeah. So it's not like, it's more uh, like friends versus like, Oh, are you that girl? <laughs> and you know what I, you know, what's the funniest thing It actually almost pisses me off at this point. Do you know what I get recognized for more than anything that I've ever accomplished? Tell me. Do you know that show Impractical Jokers? I do, yeah. So I did an episode of Impractical Jokers where I threw Murr through a table and I threw him into the pool and I like just beat the crap out of him for an episode. It was I was his punishment. And I get recognized more <laughs> for that than anything I've ever done in my life. Anything. <laughs> I'm serious. Everyone's like, oh my gosh, I know you from college. Did you throw murder through a table? And I'm like, oh my God. <laughs> you, nope, it's, no, so, it's not me. Wrong girl. You got the wrong girl. It's so funny. We live in our, we live in our combat sports bubble. And I guarantee you there's a million, millions upon millions of combat sports fans who would recognize you 100% from that. But you're not wrong about that. I remember, I remember years ago, Chuck Liddell did an episode of Entourage when that show was like, you know, one of the biggest shows on TV. Yeah, and yeah, like yeah. I, I talked to people and like, oh, when I said cover UFC, I'm like, oh yeah, Chuck Liddell, he was in Entourage. I'm like, yeah, he's also yeah, like one of the like, greatest what? fighters of all time. Yeah, like, he's like also like the greatest. Like, what are you talking about? Yeah, it's, yeah. it's funny to me, but yeah. I, that's okay. Honestly, I am realizing that I prefer not to be famous. I have to be very careful what I wish for because I don't want to actually be famous ever, Yeah, but I know I'm going to have to be to get what I want. It's going to be. Yeah. 
it's a it's a double-edged sword because when you become famous all of your anonymity all of your private life just kind of disappears because like i actually listen i understand celebrities you know when you're like a you know an actor and you make millions upon billions, you know it's hard to feel sympathy yeah. for but i do there's part like when i see like paparazzi and i see like people like you can't go anywhere you can't go shopping you can't take your kids places I mean, like that's no, sad. For sure. I, yeah. I always used to like I always used to kind of like, you know, at that, like I, I would be like, get, you know, grow up like you're making millions of dollars to do what you love, like suck it up, buttercup. You know, that's kind <laughs> of how I that's kind of how I viewed it. And not, I'm not famous at all yet. You know, like I'm very like we're I'm famous in our little bubble, I would say, like not even famous. I'm just like notorious or something like people either love me or hate me. But I would say that. I kind of am starting to get why, like, I, I don't, I'm realizing that my dream was never to be famous. My dream was to be the best. Like, maybe I kind of questioned that in my own head. Like, do you just want to be like, do you just want everyone to love you? Or do you actually want to be the greatest? And I, and the, I want to be the greatest. I don't want, I don't want anyone to like, I don't care <laughs> because, and I understand why like Rhonda disappeared and like bottom, like I'm looking for, like I'm at that point, I'm looking for land down in Florida. I'm going to just like have like a couple acres and me and my kids and like, we're going to disappear. <laughs> like, yeah. I'm going to fight and then go back to my bubble and then fight and then go back to my bubble. And I'm not even famous, but I get it. Like there's something, there's some peace of mind and your self-care have to be number one. And when you start to people please and you start to um, care what other people think about you, that's when you're abandoning yourself. And that's when you're like, to me, that's when shit hits the fan, you know, and that's when trains get derailed. So number one for me is going to be peace and not giving a shit what other people think about me yeah you know what fame is though kayla i'll tell you this i was driving to cincinnati a couple months ago to go down that's Ooh. where i'm originally from and i drove past your hometown and i was in the car with my i was in the, i was in the car with my girlfriend i pointed and i was like you know what that is don't you and she's like what's that i was like that's the hometown of kayla harrison she's like really I was like, yeah that's where kayla harrison's from so it's funny we were driving that's like literally what i said it was like that's where kayla harrison's from right there like we there's were by a the sign exit. there yeah, yeah. there's, I was like, a, there's sign. a sign it says yeah. the home of olympic gold medalist kayla harrison that's yeah, so, so cool i was just like there's kayla harrison's hometown <laughs> so see there you oh, go man. <laughs> that makes me so proud that makes me so proud i love middletown i miss it yeah what's up uh, mate? <laughs> um real quick obviously you got the fight coming up next friday uh part of you know what the pfl is doing for you is making sure you're getting competition this is a new fight coming yep. up uh, you got a yep. sambo fighter uh accomplished fighter in her own right and of course i think again i know we got lost in this the one season when we all talked about you know future fights and things like this but again i can't ignore julia bud being over she's an accomplished, right? accomplished. so Absolutely. this is a fun season ahead right like there are some fun matchups out there for you yeah, I'm ready. I'm excited for it. You know, I think, um, you know, I, I am going to go ahead and like say the, I think that uh, I'll probably face Pacheco again in the finals. That'll be the only downer to the season, but I'm going to, I'm just going to put it out there. I, you never know, but I'm going to put it out there. Um, but yeah, absolutely. There's a lot of new girls They're They're, they really are bringing in talent. They've got this challenger series, you know, they, they had, they just had a bunch of girls fight on that card, um, on that show. 
I, I was at the fights. I, I cornered one of the girls. I saw a lot of um, potential. So yeah, PFL is doing a great job building this division and, and bringing in new talent and bringing in new faces. You know, Marina is a Sambo champion. She's, um, she's tough. I think, um, yeah, I mean, I'm just going to go do what I do, but yeah, everyone yeah, until you beat her. Yeah, absolutely. And I, like I said, of course, we're all kind of eyeballing that Julia Budd matchup because, again, that, you know, yeah. that's that's a great and I and I mean this as a compliment to her. I don't mean this as an insult. Like, it's a great measuring stick yeah. fight, right? Like, we know where she's at. We know what she's done. Yeah. yeah. Beating a absolutely. Julia Budd means something. You know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. I, I'm kind of bummed that we didn't just do that right off the rip, you know, like I would have liked to have just fought her in the season because you never know what's going to happen in the playoffs. And the, you know, like I, I hope that my next fight in the season is her just to be, I think that they probably want to build it or like hope are hoping that she, you know, I don't know. I don't know how these. Well, you know, I remember when, when, when PFL signed Rory McDonald, I talked to Ray Cooper and Ray, like immediately, I want Rory day one because he's like, I want to, I want to be, I want to beat him. Like, I don't know that I'll get to face him. Otherwise he's like, I want to get him right now, you know? And look what we just got with Clay Collar and Jeremy Stevens. Like that might Uh not have happened if they didn't match it up. So I'm hoping second round, like they just go ahead and pull the trigger and just put you in there with her. Yeah, absolutely. That would be ideal. I mean, I agree with Ray, you know, like you got to, established dominance this is my house <laughs> yeah and i will say this about about pacheco like you know because one we talked about that last season i said you know and, and ultimately the way it played out played out you didn't fight her but i've kind of i've kind of gotten past the point like listen you know like it's kind of like alexander volkanovsky and max holloway like no one's gonna die max holloway is the second best featherweight in the sport if he gets mm-hmm. a third fight, he gets a third fight. And I'll say the same thing about Larissa. If she gets it, you know, she's earned it. You know, like it's not, again, you've beaten her twice, Absolutely. but, you know, she gets it, she's earned it. Absolutely. Of course. I mean, that's the beautiful thing about the PFL, right? Like she literally has to earn it. She has to show up. She has to make weight. She has to win the fight. And if she does that three times, then she's in the finals. And that's the same thing that I have to do. I'm not the champion this year, technically. You know, like I, I have to show up. I have to make weight. I have to fight. I have to win. I have to continue. I have to make the playoffs. Like everyone's the slates, the slates are clean. Now everyone's equal. Yeah, absolutely. Well, Kayla, I'm always excited to see you back in action. I cannot wait to see a fight uh, next Friday. Very much looking forward to that. Uh, you don't need a mouthpiece. You don't need a Paul Heyman, but I'm just saying, if you need me to take over for Lambert, just let me know. I mean, I'm happy to do it for you. I mean, you know, like I said, Lambert, Lambert does a good job. I would enjoy but I mean, that. You know, I would enjoy know. that very much. You'd break Dan's heart, but I would enjoy that. <laughs> uh, Kayla, thank you so much as always for the time. Uh, safe travels out to the fight. Cannot wait thank to see you. you back in action. And thank you for taking the time. You know, I appreciate it. You're the man. Anytime. <laughs> Talk to you soon. All right. Bye-bye. A big thank you once again to Kayla Harrison for coming on the show. She fights this Friday and her return to action at the PFL as the 2022 season gets underway. And we'll have all your coverage on Friday over at MMAfighting.com. Uh, once again, a thank you to Benil Dariush for coming on the show, uh, breaking down some of the fights at UFC 274 with me and uh, looking forward to uh, that event coming up on Saturday night. Uh, make sure you check us out each and every Tuesday on your favorite podcast platforms, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Stitcher, as well as MMAfighting.com, as we are always over there every single Tuesday for a new edition of The Fighter versus The Rider. Thanks for tuning in so much. We'll see you next week for another edition of The Fighter versus The Rider.
Vox Media Podcast Network. What does it take to be an entrepreneur and how is it changing in our ever-evolving business landscape? This is Scott Galloway, host of the Prop G Podcast and an entrepreneur myself. Right now, we've got a special three-part series running all about the future of entrepreneurship. We're answering your questions on work-life balance, how to raise capital for your business and more. Because when you're an entrepreneur, it's always important to look ahead at what's to come. So tune in to the Future of Entrepreneurship, a Prop G Pod special sponsored by Mercury. You can find it on the Prop G Pod feed or wherever you get your podcasts. Support for this show comes from Wix Studio. Designers and devs, you might be able to do your thing better on Wix Studio, a web platform with everything you need to deliver bespoke sites hyper-efficiently. Design teams get a ton of smart features that can take the grind out of web creation without it costing per-pixel control. Dev teams, you get a zero-setup, developer-first environment, combined with an AI code assistant and your preferred IDE for rapid deployment. Search Wix Studio today to explore the full range of features.